today we have Catherine Schmelz on the show. Do you want to learn how to leverage 1031s and or syndications to grow your wealth? Catherine Schmelz worked for a large apartment owner. She also worked for a large multifamily due diligence company. She walked over 5,000 units as an employee. She then decided she wanted to be on the other side of the table as an owner. She and her partner, Jimmy Edwards, who was on the show, episode 52, have now syndicated three multifamily deals for 400 units. Listen as she shares some fantastic growth mindset examples. Before we jump into the intro, if you have interest in learning how to invest passively, check out my five-step process for passively investing in real estate. You can download it for free by going to darrenbatchelder.com backslash learn and then select the free PDF. Now, onto the intro. Welcome to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show. Each week, you will learn how to grow your wealth through real estate investing, be introduced to the players that are getting it done, and learn how you can get involved. And now, here's your host, Darren Batchelder. A little background on Catherine Schmelz before we start the show. Catherine lives in the DFW area with her family. She started with single-family fix and flips, then did a 16-unit multifamily deal, and has since closed on three syndication deals for 400 units. This girl just keeps pushing the envelope. This year, they are looking to do $100 million in new assets in 2022. Now, on to the show. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. We've got Catherine Schmelz here with us. Catherine, appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, Darren, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So just a little bit on how I know Catherine. So um, if you've listened to prior episodes, you've heard me say that I'm, I'm part of a multifamily mentorship group in the Dallas area, the Brad Sumrock Group. And uh, I joined about four years ago, and I think it was probably the first happy hour networking event that I went to. And uh, shortly after being there, I ended up uh, meeting Catherine and her partner, uh, Jimmy Edwards, who was actually on the show, episode 52. And, um, you know, just met them and we shared a beer and had a good time. And, and um, you know, we've been friends ever since. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. First question I typically ask is how many properties and how many units are you invested in? Yeah, so uh, I'm GP on three deals, about 400 units, a little bit more. And then I'm an LP on another three units um, with a total of about 750 units. Well, actually, I say that, but uh, one of our LP deals just closed yesterday or last week, and I got a check yesterday. So that's um, that, that's not yeah. a bad thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's our first. Yeah, it's the first deal um, I invested in as an LP, just went full cycle. So pretty exciting to get a, it, get a large check. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> nice, um, you know, to invest and then pretty much not do anything, you know, other than read the the emails that come out every every month. And then all of a sudden come down the road and you get your money back plus a big check. And, and that's a nice thing. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's fun. 
it's kind of fun just so, watching watching it go through every month. Absolutely. So share with um, the listeners kind of your background um, before you got involved with real estate investing. Um, what, was, what was your background? Yeah. So my background's a little bit different than most indicators. Most indicators seem to have like an IT and engineer background. Um, my background's actually in multifamily. So when I graduated from, from uh, college, um, I got a job with a company that owned about 5,000 units, about 26 apartment complexes. And at that time, when I was hired, the owner was transitioning from the corporate office being in St. Louis and transitioning it to be down in Dallas. So he hired a bunch of younger, younger folks um, to start heading up that office. And so when we were there, there's about five of us and he taught us everything about multifamily. I mean, he taught us about property management, vision, kind of the 101 of multifamily. So that was super important for like the foundation of multifamily. And then from there, I worked with the sister company, uh, same, same company, just sister company that imported light fixtures, sinks, faucets, granite from China to put into their, their properties. And then we also sold to other syndicators or investors, owners. So then I did that for a while. Then I transitioned over to the construction arm of that same, same apartment company. And I did all the rehabs for them. So I put together the, I did all the purchasing for them for construction. Um, and then I worked with, worked with the construction team and different different rehabs and kind of put in the orders of what they needed from lumber to some of the products that we imported from China. And I kind of put together like different layouts of how to put the cabinets together and grain it. So I did all that. So I've kind of got a pretty good knowledge of the construction aspect from multifamily. Then from there, I worked with a company, Omni Group, Brian Amos, which a lot of people in Dallas and Texas know about him. Um, He does a lot of the physical due diligence for different investors and syndicators in the due diligence phase buying apartments. So I walked probably 5,000 units, analyzed over a hundred apartment complexes for the investor, um, worked with the different trades, you know, all the way from plumbing to electrical to roof systems, things like that. So I really got a good knowledge on the due diligence side. Um, and at that same time when I was doing that, um, that's when me and Jimmy were kind of getting together and flipping houses. He needed some, he pretty much, came to me and my husband at the time. This was probably 2013 or so. Um, I was still working with Brian Amos at my day job, but he came to me and my husband, Andrew, and asked if he was flipping houses and asked if he could start getting the, um, he needed more money for the down payment to buy more houses. He wanted to get bigger and scale his flipping business. So we flipped a few houses. We gave him the down payment, flipped a few houses. And I was like, hey, Jimmy, I'm doing this on a larger scale, doing the CapEx renovations for multifamily, how about we partner together and do um, rehabs and flips? So then that's when I phased over to start working with Jimmy. We've flipped a hundred houses. Wow. One year I think we did like, yeah, more than a hundred. I think one year we did like 50 houses. Wow. Uh, Yeah. So I say all that because my background is in apartments um, and in construction in the multifamily space. So it's kind of a little bit longer and probably your average person on background, but I think it's pretty important. It is. And and like, I didn't, I knew you had a multifamily background and I knew that you worked for Omni, um, but I didn't know all the, what happened prior. Um, Yeah. And typically, you know, I can't say it with you, but typically I'm like, 
Look, listeners, you don't have to have a multifamily <laughs> background to get into this. Yeah. Like, listen to this guest. He, he or she didn't know what they were doing and they got in. Um, but you spent, you know, quite a bit of time and in different aspects of the business before you actually came over. So, you, so for you, it was more yeah. like, hey, I want to get on the other side of the table. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a lot of people, you know, in the due diligence phase working you know, we're walking units. And I realized that a lot of people didn't know what they were looking for. I mean, some people didn't even know what a cleanout was. They were like, what is that circle on the ground that they're putting a camera into? And, and, and it's kind of crazy. And they're owning multi-million dollar properties and don't even know a clean out. So just, you know, I, I worked for that, but I knew when I was working with Omni and working with these investors and seeing what they knew and that is super lucrative. I knew I wanted to come back. But at the time, me and Jimmy flipped houses to build up enough capital to really go all in and multifamily and have more money to move around. Absolutely. So you said super lucrative. I mean, so here you've got all this knowledge and you've got all these other people that are investing in it and they're leveraging the knowledge that you have. And that's that's kind of the whole point, right? I mean, once you get into the, the ownership standpoint, you know, you, everybody brings their different experiences, but you leverage also vendors that do this day in and day out. Yeah, definitely. For sure. So then you, so you're flipping houses. Um, that's a lot of houses you did. So, <laughs> you know, over a hundred, over a hundred homes. Um, so then your first multifamily deal, how big was that? So our first one was 16 units. Um, so it was pretty interesting. So one of the, one of the guys that I helped do the CapEx, I guess, implementation um, on his apartment, um, he, we were looking at a property, it was 26 units. Jimmy knew the guy, it was like our first deal that we're looking at. Um, he said, hey, Jimmy, it's off market, you you could buy this property. And so we went through all the comps and really tried to understand it. This was before I did the mentoring program with Brad Summerhoff. So we didn't know what we were doing and it took us like six months to analyze this deal. But <laughs> at the time we we're looking at comps and looking at CoStar and realized that one of the guys I used to work with Mac um, owned the comp. So I called him, said, Hey, we're looking at buying apartments now. Um, I realized this is a comp. We're trying to underwrite it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, a few months later he called me and said, Hey, Catherine, I found a deal at 16 units. Uh, I found it. You can run it. You can manage it. You could do everything. You know, I, I, I don't really want to do that. Um, but I have a deal. Are you in? So I said, yeah, let's, let me get, let me get Jimmy involved. And that's kind of how we got our first deal. Um, it was kind of like a, just organically with the partners. And then our other partner, Tim came in cause Mac invited him into the deal as well. So it was the four of us, uh, 16 units in Grand Prairie. Um, it was a C minus, maybe a D D plus. Uh, it was, it was a rough, it was a rough first deal, uh, completely retinted it. Uh, there's a beautiful park across the street that nobody could use ever because all the, there's like drug deals going on in the park. They were drinking forties at 10 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting to say the least. I'll tell you that. Well, one, one of the things that you, you, you didn't say this, but it sounds like it happened is that 
I'm guessing you told people what you got that you and Jimmy were looking for multifamily. And then that's what prompted the guy to say, Hey, I've got this deal, you know, versus, and I think that that's important for, you know, listeners perspective is that even if you're new, you know, in the business and you're trying to get your first deal, you need to tell as many (laughs) people as possible what you're looking for, because somebody may have somebody, you know, that they're talking to. And if you don't tell them what you're, what you're looking for, they're not, you're not going to be, you know, on top of their mind. Um, so, so that's huge. I, I had another guest that he was talking to a bank president and he told him what he was looking for. And the next thing you know, he got a call from some broker that he didn't even have a relationship with. And the president of the bank had told the broker and that broker called him. And the next thing you know, he picked up like a 50 or 60 unit deal. And so that's so important. Yeah. I think that I I really believe in that. Tell the universe what you want and the universe will come back. I mean, that's what we had to do with flip houses. Um, A lot of the houses that we bought were because of referrals and because we told everybody we know that we're flipping houses. And so that random person you talk to at this random apartment or not apartment, but random meetup or a friend of a friend had some, you know, person that didn't want their house. It's just crazy how we, we saw that so much in single family that we knew that that's part of it is to put everything out there and tell, share what you're doing. Absolutely. That's huge. Um, so then you, so you have that 16 unit and then from there you, you guys go out and buy a deal outside of the Dallas market, right? Yes. Yeah. So, so the talk next, about that second deal. So the next deal was 103 units in Lubbock. Um, so you went from 16 units to 103 units. Yes. And yes. going from a single family to 16 units probably felt big. Yeah, big. Mm-hmm. And then right? 103 felt huge. And then going from <laughs> 16 to 103, that felt big too. But I, I probably the zero to 16, the one to 16 probably even felt bigger. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, it did. But it was, you know, it's different because the 16 unit, even though it was 16 units, it was townhouses. So it almost felt like 16 little houses all next door to each other. But I, so it felt big, but the one of three was like an apartment complex, right? you know? Right, so, that, right. so that felt like, oh my gosh, we're actually owning a, a bigger deal. And then, and then we syndicated that the uh, 16 unit, just the four of us bought it ourselves. So we didn't have any investors, but the 103 unit we syndicated, that was our first syndication. Um, it was in Lubbock. Me and Jimmy both went to Texas Tech. Um, the reason why I know Jimmy is my husband and Jimmy actually went to Tech together and, and met in the dorms. So that's oh, how cool. I knew Jimmy is through my husband, actually. Um, so we knew Lubbock. We lived there for four or five years. Um, so we knew the market. It wasn't like we just bought a deal in Mineral Wells or something like that. Uh, so we felt comfortable with the market, even though it wasn't Dallas or, or Austin or Houston. Um, and then honestly, when, when it came out and the broker told us about it, we, we thought it would actually be fun going to Lubbock and checking it out. We haven't been in a while. Um, but the 103 unit was a C-class. Um, we bought it at 50% occupied. Um, it, was a hairy, it was a hairier deal than I think most people are used to in the Brad Sumrock ecosystem. Um, we went 50% down th- occupied is, is low. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not typical. It's not typical. Yes, the the right. other person, 
yeah, the other person I think ran out of money. Um, and the chiller broke down in the middle of the summer. He lost a lot of residents. Um, and he just, he was just, I think he was just tired of it and just wanted out. So we came in, saved the day, um, bought it at 50% occupancy. Um, you know, I think he was leasing it to people that, you know, wasn't the best tenants in the world. So then it went down to 39% occupancy, which we knew that it was going to dip. It wasn't a surprise. Um, and we had to raise extra money to, to cover pretty much the operating costs. Um, but we were in it for three years. Uh, we sold it. We doubled over doubled our uh, investors money in uh, less than three years. And it was a great learning experience. I mean, you had to learn a lot. And uh, for first of all, our first deal, our, a rough deal, a deal not in our where we live. Um, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but we learned a lot. And it was blood, sweat and tears all <laughs> the whole three years. I'll tell you that. So talk about some of the learning lessons. Um, so I think one of the biggest lessons we learned, um, you know, we flip houses or we did, um, so we know, we know how it is. We knew what we we're getting ourselves into. We weren't really, um, nothing really was like, oh my gosh, we didn't see that coming. But one of the main things I think we learned is having the right management company at the property. Um, we hired a management company that somebody else referred us to. Uh, we just kind of were just going through all the motions. We had so many things on our list that we hired someone that we thought would we would like, but we actually had to fire them probably, if, I don't remember, maybe nine months into owning the property. Uh, they just, they didn't share our vision. They didn't understand our, what we were doing, why we were doing it. And I think I think if we would have started out with the right management company from day one, I think we would have even exceeded expectations uh, even more. Um, but talk about that decision of, okay, you're, you know, six, seven, eight, nine months, and you're seeing that their property management company for one reason or another is not, you know, doing what you're looking to do to make that decision to, bring somebody new in. Yeah. It's look, it's a big complex and, and you're not there every day. You're, you know, you're, you're in Dallas yeah. and that's in Lubbock. So talk about, was that a difficult decision or was that an easy decision? And was the transition easy or w w was it, you know, have some bumps along the way? Uh, it was a hard decision. We kept talking about, talking about, talking about it. Um, we knew it wasn't the right fit, but we didn't know how bad it would impact changing. We thought it would be a, you know, another dip before it got better. But finally, one of our other uh, friends who used the same management company, they fired them and uh, they started using a different management company. And that kind of was like, okay, it's not just us. We just don't right. have different expectations. So uh, we fired them, got on a new management company, um, and we don't take that lightly, you know, it was, it was a big deal. Um, but they took it and ran with it and understood. And it was just, it was so much different the way that they managed in the, in the conversations and getting things done. Uh, it was, it was hard at first, you know, we had to do everything all over again. Um, but I think in the long run, it was way better. And it taught me to have you know, have a lot of conversations with them up front, make sure they understand your vision, make sure that you're aligned, uh, ethics, all the things are just completely aligned before you 
take on the management company. I, I think that those are great lessons to learn. I mean, also, you know, if you, if you were to go into another um, deal where you ran into that problem, now that you've gone through that process, mm-hmm. you probably would pull that trigger a little earlier. Oh, um, definitely. You know, if, if it's not going right, because I, look, I went through the same thing and it was, oh. it was a hard decision to change property management companies. And, um, it, it was talking to other syndicators and me asking how tough is it? Yeah. You know, how that transition over, you know, it, how, how difficult is that? And, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, when you were younger and you, you had to, uh, you were going through a breakup, right? I mean, yeah. it's, you, you got to pull off the bandaid, you know, it's not, it's not an easy thing to do, have that conversation, but once you have it and then the new people are in, you're kind of like, thank goodness. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And at the time, you know, obviously we bought a hairy deal, 50% occupied went down you know, it's like, well, this is our first deal and this isn't typical. So are they doing a regular job or not doing a good enough job for our expectation? You know, so it's like, do we have just way higher expectations? So just, yeah, I was kind of like just trying to understand where we were, but once we did it, I mean, there's no looking back. And then that made us want to stay with the same management companies or yeah, like just have more upfront conversations and really get to know them and I guess do do our homework a little bit better. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, that, I think that's a big lesson. And you know, everyone says that multifamily is a team sport, and you know, the property management company is a big part of that team. <laughs> and you know, the on, especially the on-site management. You know, whether it's the you know leasing manager and and maintenance person, like how good are they, and how, how are they uh, managing? the units and fixing problems and uh, communicating with tenants and all of that is so important. And if you're in Dallas and they're, you know, in Lubbock that you want to make sure you have the right people there. Yeah. And another thing too, is, you know, this, since this property was in Lubbock, um, you have to have your ear to the ground. If you're just a new person in the, in the space and don't have the connections and, and I mean, these people did work in Lubbock, but just in general, I mean, they need to, know the contractors and know, you know, know all the employees. So if they lose a, a manager, then they have a pool to, to work from. And I think that that's a big, important thing as well. Right. I remember talking to you and Jimmy and, um, you know, you guys were like, you know, it took, it was different being out in a different market because you had to find all your vendors, mm-hmm. you know, um, versus here in Dallas, we might be able to ask other syndicators, hey, who do you use for this? Who do you use for that? And, yeah. and get referrals. You guys kind of had to, to go find that yourself. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, the other thing that, talk about upgrades in like a tertiary market. Um, I remember hearing from both you and Jimmy that it's a little different than being in Dallas where like you see something down the street and you're just going to take a, you know, a classic unit and you're going to upgrade it and you're going to get, you know, whatever bump in rent, but in certain markets, you know, they may not, may not pay up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's another, you know, difficult thing in Lubbock compared to 
San Antonio or Dallas. Um, yeah, they don't, they're a little bit behind on the, on the upgrades. Um, so they don't value it as much as Dallas people do. You know, there's a bunch of apartments in Dallas and they have different levels of upgrades, but in, in Lubbock, it's just kind of behind. Um, and another thing is, is in Lubbock, um, houses are a lot cheaper than in the Dallas market. So you, you can't just come in and put an awesome upgrade and think that you're going to get $200 in rent or something like that. Because once you get to a certain threshold, then they're like, well, I could just buy a house for that. So it's, it's a little bit different. Um, also another thing with the upgrades is, especially after COVID was labor shortages. I mean, it, it, we already have, we have it in Dallas and there's tons of people here. Imagine being in a smaller market where right. there's not that many contractors. I mean, even in Lubbock right now at our other property, um, our landscape, we have a contract to do landscaping. Um, the, the owner of the landscaping company can't get people to mow the grass. So he was out there last time we were in Lubbock, he was out there on a rotting lawnmower mowing the grass, the owner of the company. I mean, it's, that's <laughs> funny. It's insane. So it's just, it's just a different, it's a different market, especially in Lubbock. Uh, just being behind the, the behind. But the that's very important to know the market, you yeah. know, know what upgrades are actually going to result in, you know, an increase in rent. Um, know that you have to be careful of, of, you know, labor shortages. Know that you're going to have yeah. to find, um, you know, different vendors. And, um, you know, you, you may have to be careful on, you know, pulling the plug on somebody because you, yeah if you don't have somebody else lined up, um, you don't want to be stuck. Um, yeah. And, and then rent, oh, rental increases in your, in your pro forma. I have to imagine that, you know, from being in a tertiary market versus in, in a major market, you know, you build in less increases in, in rent, um, bumps over the life of your, your business plan. Yeah, definitely. I mean, at courtyards on the park, when we did the pro forma, we didn't even have, increase in, in rent at all. No um, rent increase. So your business no. plan was take it from 50% to, to what a, percent? To, yeah, like 90%. And, to 90%, but keep the same rent. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then in our other apartment in uh, Lubbock Lakeway um, that we own currently right now, uh, we, I, I don't remember the performer off the top of my head, but yeah, I mean, we obviously own in courtyards. We knew what was happening. Uh, there's very little increase in rent. It's more just, we, we bought it from a 20 year owner. Um, and so it was just a management play pretty much and doing a little bit of CapEx, a little bit of amenities. We added a few minor amenities there, just made it prettier, painted the exterior and yeah, just getting professional management. And that's our play. It wasn't increased rents by $200 or anything right. like that. You can't do that. And there's a lot of people that are getting into Lubbock that, may or may not know um, that you can't do the Dallas, the Dallas thing in Lubbock. Right. Right. So <laughs> you confused me a little bit. So you, are you talking, did you buy another complex in Lubbock? So you oh, had the yes. 103 unit and then do you, you bought another one? Yes. Yeah, so we bought, so, um, so with the 16 unit, the, the four of us, me, Mac, Tim and Jimmy owned, we did a 1031. So we sold the 16 gotcha. unit. And then we rolled that into 120 units. Holy cow. You, so just the four of you? Yeah, bought, just the so four of us. So bought that and, and, and rolled from a 16 unit to, to 120 unit. 
Mm-hmm. And love it. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So it's that's just huge. the four of us that own it. So that's a lot of people don't know about that property because we no, didn't I don't. Syndicate. I didn't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, you didn't syndicate it, right? Yeah. But now, now most people listening probably know what a 1031 exchange is, but just briefly talk about, you know, why did you guys, what is a 1031 exchange and why did you guys do that? And then um, I think most importantly is like, all right, how much cash flow was the 16 unit kicking off versus, you know, now you guys are in a 120 unit deal? that's the benefit, right? By going, rolling up and going bigger. Yeah. So the, so the 16 unit, you know, we, like I said before, it was a, is a hairier deal. So we had to retenant the whole property. So we didn't technically make any cash flow. Uh, it was more just get in and get out, um, and sold that. So we, so we made about, I don't know, 400,000 in equity on that deal. Uh, and then rolled that 400,000 into the down payment for the 120 unit apartment complex. So the 1031 is, it's a, it's a tax, it's a tax benefit, um, but you don't make any money off of selling the property. You just roll the money into the next deal. So that's what we did. Um, So we have no tax consequence. No, no tax consequence. It rolls in tax free into the next deal. Mm-hmm. So that's what you guys did. So now you're in this 120 unit and what is that looking like? Yeah. So, uh, we're actually, um, considering selling that, that deal pretty soon. Um, again, we're, we're more all focused on the 1031. Um, we're not really focused on cash flow. We're making cash flow on all of our other deals. Um, right. so we technically aren't making a ton of money on, ca- I don't know how, I mean, we're making something, but we're more just transitioning into keep rolling it. And then when we sell that deal, we're looking at buying an apartment probably in Dallas. We're looking at a bunch of different markets, but we have about 4 million in equity currently on that deal. So then that would buy us about 12 to $15 million deal, let's say in Dallas. So we'll roll the 4 million. Hold hold on a second. Did I just (laughs) hear that right? So you started with a 16 unit. It ended up with a $400,000 gain. You did a 1031 exchange, so no tax consequence. Bought a 120 unit out in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. And now you're saying that you have a $4 million gain on that 120 unit? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so like, <laughs> this is the thing about This is the thing about real estate. I mean, think about how much money you would have. How long would it take? the four of you to save your way to $4 million in equity. I know it's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. We- the amount and, and it's, it was rolled tax-free tax-free. So now if this, that 4 million is going to roll into another large property and then that gain may be equity, maybe it really is, is bananas. Yeah. Cause I mean, it, technically if you, if you, double it every, let's say three to five years, if we roll the, the 4 million equity into another deal for 15 million, you would hope to be able to sell that and make another double it. So that'd be 8 million, then roll it, you know, and then roll it every three to five years. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of like our baby, this 1031 we have going on. The yeah. syndications are, are awesome as it. well. It's different. It's, it's a different game, but 
for our, all four of us are all about just rolling it and not really worrying too much about cash flow and all the things. It's all about just selling it higher and rolling it. That's fantastic. So there's a, a play for the 1031 and doing it with just a few partners. Mm-hmm. And then there's a play for the syndication. So where did, where did the syndication deals kind of play in, in, in your strategy for, with you and Jimmy? Yeah. So, um, you know, we have some pretty big goals this year where we want to buy, um, a deal every quarter, um, between 20 and 40 million. Um, so at the end of the year, I'd like to have over a hundred million in assets under management. Um, so that B class Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, 35 corridor, that's kind of like where we're looking. But again, we have this 1031. So we're always looking for a 12 to $15 million good asset B class, um, Dallas, something like that. So we kind of have like two buckets we're looking for. And then obviously we've seen how rapidly the 1031s move. So we're always looking for another little guy just to create a small partnership with a few people that we can actually buy ourselves, not syndicate, and then keep rolling that as well. Well, so what, do you, we have, what do you mean by the 1031s move fast? And Well, just like I said earlier, how we bought the 16 unit for less than a million dollars. And then um, we got in, I, th- I don't remember how much we had to put into that. Probably, let's say 200,000, 300,000 or so. Um, and then that rolled into 4 million in four years. Yeah. Um, we're always looking for another type deal to create another 1031 opportunity to buy with a few people. Um, think, think of me. I'll partner with you. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So we have like a few different buckets, but our main focus is definitely syndication, um, 20 to 40 million, um, in, in the big, big markets like Dallas and Houston, San Antonio. Fantastic. Hey, um, so now you got the other deal in Lubbock and then you've done a few deals in San Antonio as well. Is that right? So we have two more deals in San Antonio. We have a 116 unit C-class deal. And then we have, uh, we just bought um, in October, 168 unit apartment complex in San Antonio. It's a C-class in a B area, which we're super excited about. And so that one, that was bought, your biggest deal, right? Yeah, that one's our biggest deal to date. We bought it for uh, 16.75 million. Um, we raised about $6 million on that deal is a syndication. Um, and we got, it's a hell of a deal. It's, it's, we're super excited about this one. We've owned it for about, I don't know, three months or so. And we're already, we're already going over projected rents. Um, we, we bought it, we bought it at a really good time at a really good price. That's fantastic. So, you know, your journey, um, it's, it's funny because you were single family, mm-hmm. flip, 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 flip. And there's a lot of people out there that do that, right? And they want to get into multifamily and then they think maybe I'm going to do duplexes and threeplexes and fourplexes and maybe in a few years I'll go to an aplex. And then all of a sudden, you know, I hear your story and it's like, 
single family flips, 16 unit, then hundred unit, then 116 then 168. Like, and you kind of just talked just there as like, Oh, we bought a 16.75 million. We raised 6 million. Like, like it was easy, Yeah. but three or four years ago, you probably would have been scared to to do something like that. So how, how does that change over time? How does it go from like, oh my gosh, that seems so out of, you know, the possibilities to, holy cow, well, we did that. Now, now let's put on another hundred million this year. <laughs> yeah. You know, how do you get there? Yeah, it's, it is kind of crazy when I kind of, I think back of all the things we've done, but um, yeah, I think it's just being, you know, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable is kind of the, the main motto, I guess is just putting yourself out there. Um, you know, I, I read a lot of books. I probably read 12 books a year of just all personal development mindset. Just, I mean, you have to keep growing. Um, and it's interesting because we just closed a $16.75 million deal uh, in October. Um, and we're touring, I mean, me and Jimmy toured last week, I think three properties for 50 million. And so it's like, wow, that 16 unit was so small, right. <laughs> you know, and we just that closed was, it. <laughs> that was it's, big at the yeah, time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I think mindset's everything. And I think sometimes people hold themselves back and they don't realize it's them. It's not what they can do. It's just limited mindset. Yeah. So I, I would say I completely agree. Mindset is so huge. What do we mean by mindset? It just means that you believe you can do it right? Um, Versus telling yourself you can't. But the other thing I would say is that, you know, taking action and, you know, doing something leads to growth. So like at the time, 16 units seemed like a big deal. For sure. Right. But if you didn't do that 16 unit, you probably would never have been thinking about 106 unit. Definitely. Right. And then it just kind of, all right, what's next, you know? And I don't know if you're like me, but for me, I love when I'm doing something that I haven't done before. That's like, you know, that's when the, all the juices are flowing. Like, all right, can we make this happen? You know, versus, you know, look, you guys said you did a hundred over a hundred house flips after a while. I have to imagine that that kind of got repetition. Like you, you were like, all right, what's next? Yeah. I mean, it's on autopilot at this point, the flips. And actually we just, um, we're not even looking to buy flip houses, um, but we had one fall in our laps. We took a look at it. We made an offer. We just got the contract signed yesterday. So we have another flip all of, all of a sudden. And, and we're, we had a conversation, is it worth our time? But it's so automated and it's so easy. It's like, why not? <laughs> why not just right. make a little bit of money? We have all the... So it's, it's so interesting because back in the day, even the flip houses was hard. I was over there all the time, you know, second guessing my, my design thoughts. And now it's just like, all right, go. We're, it's, it's so crazy. It's, that's crazy. It's crazy. So the other thing, you know, I've mentioned this on the last few episodes is like, it's, it's a ripple effect. So it's not just about Catherine and Jimmy anymore, right? You end up 
going from a 16 unit up to a hundred unit. And then all of a sudden I have to believe that you guys have other people in your network that are like, how are you guys doing this? Like, how did you, how did you go from flipping houses to being in these large multifamily deals? And then if you counsel one or two or three other people like that ends up, they get involved. And then all of a sudden they've got people that they teach and it's a ripple effect. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, we were pretty heavily in the single family space and all of our friends were in single family. Um, and so a lot of them are investing with us, uh, because they, they don't really understand multifamily, but they want to be a part of it, you know? So it's pretty cool. Them just saying, we, we want to watch the updates and we want to understand it. We don't want to do it, but right. we're so curious on how you're doing this and what you're doing. And eventually I want to do it. But some people, you know, are like, well, I'm still doing it single family or doing this over here, but I want to watch on the sidelines and pick your brain and put some watch on the sidelines, but also some of them are stepping up and investing as a limited partner. right? Yes. Yes, for sure. So, so, and you talked about your first deal, um, that went full cycle, you more than doubled people's money and investors money in, in a little over three years. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, just think about that. If somebody invests a hundred thousand and then all of a sudden three years later, they get their hundred thousand plus another hundred thousand. Yeah. It's like, Hey, let's do that again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was great. When we, when we uh, sold, when we sold Courtyard John the Park in April, we, we closed, we were raising money a few months later and a lot of people were just like, all right, I'm in again. Let's keep rolling this money. Um, and so it, it's just a good feeling. You know, we had a, we had a party and it's just a feel good. It's a, it's a feel good. Feel good. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a feel good business. I mean, it's, it's kind of fun because you get to partner with your friends. You get to have your friends involved in what you do rather than some people just saying, I don't understand and asking a bunch of questions. Like just come on with us, you know, even if you want to put a little bit of money in it. Like I have a friend that put barely any money in, in our deal, but they really wanted to go along for the ride and couldn't, couldn't put too much. And it's super cool having conversations at dinner about how, how our property's doing, even though they didn't really be able to invest a lot. It's just, it's, it's cool seeing people super excited about what you're doing and having some money in it to even get more excited and more. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So a few things on that one, um, I interviewed somebody that they did a pretty cool thing where it actually was one of the investors that had a lot of money um, came up with the idea that to form an LLC and then give all the employees of that company the ability to invest in that LLC. The oh. LLC then was the investor in the deal. And um, that gave all the employees, even though they didn't have the money to put down 50,000 or 75,000 or 100,000, that they were able to invest something into that LLC. And, oh, you know, cool. they had interest in, you know, the the uh, property doing well. You know, not, not just from uh, getting in W-2, but also um, having some equity ownership, which was pretty cool. Um, that is cool. Another thing you said was feel good business. And, you know, I think that everybody comes at it a little differently. Like there's, I've met some syndicators that, you know, they just, they just have a heart for like the tenants and, you know, setting up, uh, having charities come on and 
um, maybe giving backpacks to the kids going back to school and, um, you know, creating community and, and, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm sitting in church and I, I've heard for years, like, you know, serve, 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 serve. Right. And I, and like, for me, I'm more of a business guy, numbers guy. And that's where I get charged up with what, yeah. like you just did for all those people. Like I get charged up by helping grow the wealth of all the limited partners. Yeah. It's like, it's so different. I have another business, you know, my wife and I own, own the business and all the profit comes to our family. Right. Yeah. But in the syndication space, it's like people, you know, provide, you know, share in that ownership and then you're managing that deal. And then if you double somebody's money, like how great of a way of serving is that? Yeah. You know, they all have different needs for it. Some, might buy a car or some might have college education or retirement or, or just want to roll it into the next deal. But I think it's a way of serving also. Yeah, no, I definitely think. And when I, I love building communities through our apartments as well. I mean, that's, that's, that really gets me charged up. Um, I'll never forget. I was working with Aaron Katz on a, on a property when I was working with Brian Amos and uh, he, he hired us to help facilitate the CapEx budget. Um, anyways, he was putting in a playground. And so I was out, this was probably back in 2013 or something, but I was out with a measuring tape and all these kids were playing soccer in the dirt field. And, uh, I was like, Hey, you know, kids, can you help me do this measuring tape? Cause I had to keep like moving it down the road. Cause it was like a <laughs> right. big area. It wasn't so long I got enough. the kids and yeah, it wasn't long enough. So I got the kids involved in helping me hold the thing. And they were like, what, what, what are you doing? I was like, Oh, I'm measuring the space to put in a playground. And I'll never forget those kids just screamed, you know, they're literally kicking a ball in dirt. And it was, that was like my first, like, oh my gosh, this is like a big deal for people. Um, so yeah, I think know. about the kid. I mean, the kid is like, kid can't afford to, you know, and he yeah. sees his parents and maybe his parents can't afford it. But like all of a sudden he sees the, you know, the apartment complex putting it in for their benefit. Yeah. Like that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was super awesome. So that was you know, after that, I was just like, all right, this is community. I mean, people actually live here. I mean, yeah, you're making money and you're, you're implementing business plans, but at the same time, like, I like to think about it from the resident standpoint on what they would actually want and what, what would make their lives better. If it's just, you know, having San, having someone dressed up as Santa Claus for the kids to go tell Santa what they want for Christmas. I mean, that's a huge deal for them, even though it costs us like $50 for a Santa suit. You know, it's just like little things. It's a huge impact, but it doesn't have to be a big whole ordeal, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. So, um, talk about being a woman in the industry. I mean, you, there, look, there's, there's more and more women in the industry. Um, but I think it could be intimidating, you know, for somebody that's listening that wants to get in. If, and, you know, so what's your take on, give some inspiration to the women out there <laughs> to get involved. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely intimidating. I mean, when you, when you go to a conference or something like that, a lot of the girls are the wives, you know, just trying to see what's going on. Um, and I feel like sometimes back in the earlier years when we were you know, and it was me and Jimmy. I think a lot of people thought I was Jimmy's wife and I was just there <laughs> hanging out 
and wasn't really there, you know, being part of the industry. Um, well, the combination of, <laughs> of that and also Jimmy can be pretty outspoken yeah. and C- Catherine could be a little bit, you know, quiet at, at times. So mm-hmm. I could see that playing out like that. Yeah. So it took a little bit of time for be like, no, 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 I'm actually a partner. I'm not just a wife. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think once you kind of are around enough times, um, people actually enjoy hearing from the, from the woman's side on their take and, you know, um, I, you know, I'm in the construction side, I guess. And, kind of like doing the design and stuff. So I think a lot of people like talking to me about amenities and, and, and different design aspects of, I guess, of multifamily. But yeah, I mean, it takes a little bit of time, but the more podcasts you get on and the more, you know, just being a part of the meetups and conferences and stuff like that, I think a lot of, you, you get a lot of respect pretty quickly because you are one of the only girls that are actually yeah. involved. Right. I had, I asked that question to, to one other woman. She said, you know, I go to conferences and who do the guys want to talk to another guy or talk to me? Like, yeah. you know, she's, she was pretty confident about it. Yeah. Um, but you know, the thing is, is that, you know, whether you're a guy or a girl, like going to the, your first meetup, going to your first conference, going to, you know, um, is scary. Yeah. Right. I mean, you don't know who you're going to meet and, you know, what they're going to ask you and you don't (laughs) want to feel dumb. And but you have to do it. You have to push yourself to get uncomfortable and you learn something and you realize that, look, we all started with zero properties. Right. We, you know, everybody has to have their first multifamily property. Yeah. It's and then it builds off of that. So, um you know, it does, it doesn't, everybody doesn't start out with a thousand units. You know, we interview a lot of people that have thousands of units, but they all started with one and they started, you know, their education the same way, books, podcasts, meetup groups, conferences. So you got to get out there and do that. Yeah, definitely. And I think even just going to conferences and just learning the lingo so you could actually have a real conversation was very helpful just to kind of understand what the cap rate means, you know, and have like, a real, and not just say, wait, what is that? Cause then, you know, if you just say, I don't know what cap rate is, then some people might not think, you know, what you're even talking about. So it's good just to go to conferences, just to learn the lingo and just kind of know the basics. So then you can have real conversations and start learning and then going home and Googling it or, you know, figuring out what exactly you're saying. Cause it probably went over your head for the first few times that you. Yeah, absolutely. You know? You're not going to know everything all at no. once. It's going to, it's going to happen over time. So now your, your husband's not in the business, multifamily no. business. Um, so is he happy that you are? Yeah, no, he likes it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty easy answer after, after, after hearing the gains, right? Like, Hey, in the beginning, it's like, what are you doing? And then now it's like, Hey, get out there, do some yeah. more like that. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 For the first few years, I mean, we were just living off of his income and everything that I was making was just going back into the business. So it was, you know, it was a little bit of a sacrifice, I guess, at the, be- the beginning and it's still, you know, we're still creating, you know, wealth, I guess. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, he enjoys it. Eventually I'd like for him to be a little bit more active. He's uh, right now he sells wine and he's, uh, he's like a really good, um, conversationalist. Like he's, he's good at meeting people and talking to people and he's, he's in sales. So I'd like for him to get a little bit more in multifamily, but right now he's just focused on, on his. So job. is he, does he work for somebody else in the yeah. wine business? Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about, um, the benefit of you being a full-time real estate professional and how that's helped you to collectively from a tax standpoint. Yeah. So right now, um, you know, they have the bonus depreciation, which is a huge tax advantage, uh, currently. So he, um, so every year I have enough depreciation to offset his income. So, um, so together we make zero dollars, um, and we have two kids. We have, uh, the dependents and then you we, make more than zero dollars, but you don't pay tax. Yes. I don't. Yeah. They but. think we make yeah. Zero dollars on paper. And then every year we get a sizable check from the IRS, um, because he was paying taxes throughout the year. Um, and then we pretty much get those, those taxes back through, through a check from the IRS. So it's, it's super, it's, it's great. I mean, a lot of people that are in the business, they understand that, you know, but then there's people that that's completely foreign to. And and for me, I didn't understand it until I got into the business. Um, But, you know, if you're a husband and a wife, um, if one or the other is classified as a full-time real estate professional and say the other person is a W-2 employee, the person that is a full-time real estate professional may be involved in a lot of real estate transactions where they actually show paper losses yep. based on the depreciation. And because it's a married couple, you can take those losses and cover the income that the spouse is is making in their W-2. And so that is huge. And like for me, I had, I remember my grandfather told me a long, long time ago, um, you know, Darren, you should get involved in, you know, taxes because that's the biggest expense. And I kind of always you know, just let it fly off, you know, off my shoulders and not think about it. But when you think about, and you know, I've but written it's super some massive, boring too. <laughs> yeah, I've written some massive checks though yeah. to the government. And then all of a sudden when I got involved in real estate and I didn't have to write those checks anymore, that's huge Yeah, because, you know, that compounding impact of putting that money back into the real estate market is, it can be massive. Yeah. I mean, even if you just take the money that you're going to pay to the IRS and put it back into a, an apartment complex, I mean, not only are you, you know, depending on the deal, but double your money, you're, you, you could use that to just build wealth by putting an apartment three to five years, doubling your money, and then just building wealth just on that money you're going to pay the IRS. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm 51. And I, like when I have people that they're in their twenties or early thirties and they, they contact me off Instagram or whatever. And I'm like, I wish I started doing this 20, 30 years ago. I mean, the, the compounding impact is just massive. So what would be some of your advice for not just women, but just first timers that want to get involved maybe in their first passive deal? Like what, what should they do? I mean, really, I mean, like me and you, we got a, we got a mentor. Um, I think just getting a mentor just to understand 
you know, the basics and, and hold, helping hold your hand to know what's a good deal, what's not a good deal, because the last thing you want to do is just get into a passive deal without understanding. So you really want to do your homework, um, get a mentor, go to conferences, just go to meetups. Even if you meet one person that you hit it off with and can just kind of bounce ideas off of is, would be super helpful. Um, and I think just getting involved, just doing as much as you can. Uh, obviously one of the, I would tell anyone that's looking into getting into real estate is read rich dad, poor dad. I mean, um, yeah, I think just getting involved. I think the more that you're involved, the more the fear goes away because it's super scary getting into a passive deal if you're not in real estate. So just reading the books, going to the seminars, being around people that are making a lot of money and kind of being able to maybe send them an email and saying, Hey, is this a good deal? Um, I think would really help. Make it I think a little those bit are easier. Great, 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 great suggestions. Um, I think the first thing is you, you gotta, you know, th- which is different from the way most of us are brought up, um, and trained. Uh, but I, I think you have to be accountable for your investment dollars. You're, you gotta be, um, you know, I know I was guilty of, all right, put 10, 20% over in the stock market and then just mm-hmm. hope that it's going to grow. Right. But you know, what I've learned is no, that's your money. Yeah. And you need to understand where you're putting that money and where you're investing it. And are you allocating that capital in the best possible places? And, you know, real estate um, could, could be a place where you should start to learn and possibly diversify into um, versus just putting all your eggs in, into the stock market. So, um, that's the, I think the first thing. And then once you make that decision, then like you said, I mean, read books, listen to podcasts, go to conferences, meet people. Yeah. And I love that. I love your response that if you meet one person that you click with, that becomes a resource that you can just be like, I don't understand this. Like, yeah. well, why are you doing this? And what are your returns? And is is it real? That was one of the things that when I got involved, I was like, is this real? Are people really making this money? Yeah. Or is this, you know, out of thin, or is this some kind of um, scheme? You yeah, know? I know. And it seems schemey, but it's real. It, right. It's real. Like people are actually making this money. It's, it's crazy. Um, so, hey, you talked about, I was going to ask you your next, next big stretch goal, but you talked about, you want, you and Jimmy want hundred million in assets at, mm-hmm. in 2022. Yes. And yeah, one what, a quarter. And what'd you do in 2021? 2021, we bought our $16 million deal. <laughs> 16, <laughs> one, 16 million. So you're going to go yeah. from 16 million to a hundred million. That's mm-hmm. mindset, right? Yeah. You, 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 I had breakfast with you and Jimmy the other day and both of you believe that you're going to do it, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I can see it, you know, 16 units to 16 million to a hundred million. And you guys wholeheartedly believe that you can do it. And I hope that you do. Um, yeah, thanks. If somebody, I don't know, what do you like to do outside of work? For well, fun? I have, two, I have two kids. How uh, old? Six, my uh, boy that's six and a girl that's three. Um, so really just hanging out with family doing, you know, I like to go on hikes, bike, biking, 
being outside, nature, um, doing the family stuff, traveling. If you can see behind me, I have my uh, world map over here. Fantastic. Uh, I love Where's the next place you guys are going to go? Uh, actually, we're going to Napa next weekend. Awesome. Yeah. Have a little yeah. wine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. It's nice when your husband works in the wine industry. Yeah, so he knows where to go <laughs> and he, he, know, yeah. he knows what they're talking about. Whenever I go for wine tasting, they're like, this has a little bit of this in it and a little bit of yeah. that in it. I'm like, all right, let me just taste it. You know, <laughs> yeah. it tastes good just to me. Just give me the wine. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, if listeners want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, you can go to our website, highfivemultifamily.com, just H-I-G-H-F-I-V-E, multifamily. Or if you want to just email me directly, my email is catschmeltz, it's K-A-T-S-C-H-M-E-L-T-Z at gmail.com. And if you have any questions, please reach out. Yeah, I'd love to help. Fantastic. Well, you guys, I mean, you're a breath of fresh air. I know that... You know, the podcast thing isn't always your thing, but like, <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your knowledge with, with all yeah. the listeners and, um, listeners, I hope that you enjoyed that one. Um, both Catherine and Jimmy are great people and, um, definitely reach out and get to know her better. I appreciate it until next week. Signing off. All right. Thanks, Darren. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Darren Batchelder's Real Estate Investing Show at darrenbatchelder.com. If you liked the episode, please provide us with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. If you already provided us with a five-star review, then thank you and please share the show with a friend. 